Book Six, Chapter Eight of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Velwest. Camilla or A Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Book Six, Chapter Eight. Ways to the Heart. All pleasure to Camilla was completely over from the moment that Edgar disappeared. When she returned to Mount Pleasant, Mrs. Arlbury, whom she found alone, said, Do I not understand that you were going to dance with Mr. Mandelbear? How chanced he to leave you? We were kept ages waiting for the coach, and I saw him pass by and walk off. Camilla, coloring, related the history of the cotillion, and said she feared, not knowing how she had been circumstanced, he was displeased. Displeased? cried Mrs. Arlbury, laughing. And do you, at seventeen, suffer a man to be displeased? How can you do worse when you are fifty? Know your power more truly and use it better. Men, my dear, are all spoilt by humility and conquered by gaiety. Amuse and defy them. Attend to that maxim, and you will have the world at your feet. I have no such ambition, but I should be sensibly hurt to make an old friend think ill of me when an old friend said mrs Alberry archly happens to be a young man you must conduct yourself with him a little like what you are that is a young woman and a young woman is never in her proper place if such sort of old friends are not taught to know their own from the instant you permit them to think of being offended they become your masters and you will find it vastly more convenient to make them your slaves Camilla pretended to understand this in a mere general sense, and wished her good-night. The next morning, at an early hour, her chamber-door was opened with great suddenness, and no preparation, and Mrs. Mitten tripped nimbly into the room, with a hat in her hand. "'Look here, my dear Miss Tyrold,' cried she, "'for now that other young lady has told me your name, and I writ it down upon paper that I might not forget it again. Look at your hat now.' did you ever see anything so improved for the better i declare no one would know it miss dennell says it's as pretty again as it was at first i'll go and shew it to the other lady away she went triumphant with the trophy of her notability but presently returned saying oh, do pray miss tyrold write me down that other lady's name upon a scrap of paper it always goes out of my head and one looks as if one knew nobody when one forgets people's names Camilla complied, and expressed her shame to have caused her so much trouble. "'Oh, my dear, it's none at all. I got all the things at Mrs. Tilden's.' "'Who is Mrs. Tilden?' cried Camilla, staring. "'Oh, why, the milliner. Don't you know that?' "'What things?' asked Camilla, alarmed. "'Why, these, my dear, don't you see? Why, it's all new, except just the hat itself and the feathers.' Camilla was now in extreme embarrassment. She had concluded Mrs. Mitten had only newly arranged the ornaments, and had not the smallest idea of incurring a debt which she had no means to discharge. "'It all comes to quite a trifle,' continued Mrs. Mitten, "'for it's all so pretty. Mrs. Tilden's things are all monstrous cheap. I get things for next to nothing from her, sometimes when they are a little past the mode. But then I recommend her a heap of customers.' I get all my friends, by hook or by crook, to go to her shop. And what, stammered out Camilla, 
besides my thanks do i owe you oh nothing she would not be paid she said as you was her customer and had all your things of her at first she'd put it down on your bill for the season this was at least some respite though camilla felt the disagreeable necessity of increasing her intended demand upon mrs arlberry miss dennell came with a summons from that lady to the pantiles whither as the day was fine she proposed that they should walk oh cried mrs mitten if you are going to the pantiles you must go to that shop where there's the curious earrings that are to be raffled for you'll put in to be sure camilla said no with a sigh attributed to the earrings but due to a tender recollection of the raffle in which edgar had procured her the trinket she most valued mrs mitten proposed accompanying them and asked camilla to introduce her to mrs arlberry this was very disagreeable but she knew not how after the civility she owed her to refuse mrs arlberry received her with much surprise but perfect unconcern conscious of her own importance she feared no disgrace from being seen with one in a lower situation and she conceived it no honour to appear with one in a higher when they came to the pantiles mrs mitten begged to introduce them to a view of the earrings which belonged she said to one of her particular friends and as mrs arlberry caught the eye of sir sedley clarendell in passing the window she entered the shop well cried mrs mitten to its master don't say i bring you no company i'm sure you ought to let me throw for nothing if it's only for good luck for i am sure these three ladies will all put in come miss dannel do lead the way tis but half a guinea and only look what a prize as papa to pay for me cried miss dannel come good sir come put down the half guinea for the young lady i'm sure you can't refuse her lord what's half a guinea that's a very bad way of reasoning answered mr dennell and what i did not expect from a woman of your sense why you don't think sir i meant that half a guinea's a trifle no indeed i know what money is better than that i only mean half a guinea is nothing in comparison to ten guineas which is the price of the earrings and so that makes me think it's pity the young lady should lose an opportunity of getting them so cheap i'm sure if they were dear i should be the last to recommend them for i think extravagance the greatest sin under the sun well now you speak like the sensible woman i took you for a very little more eloquence of this sort was necessary before mr dennell put down half a guinea well i declare cried mrs mitten there's only three more names wanted and when these two ladies have put in there will be only one i'm sure if i was rich enough that one would not be far off but come ma'am where's your half guinea come miss tyrell don't hold back who knows but you may win there's only nineteen against you lord what's that camilla turned away and mrs arlberry did not listen to a word but when sir sedley said they are really very pretty won't you throw she answered i must rather make a raffle with my own trinkets than raffle for other people's think of my ponies however i'll put in if mr denno will be my paymaster mr dennell turning short off walked out of the shop this is a bad omen cried she laughing and then desired to look at the list of rafflers when seen amongst the names those of lady alethea selmore and the honourable mrs burlington she exclaimed tis a coalition of all fashion and reputation we shall be absolutely scouted my dear miss tarold if we shrink my poor ponies must wait half a guinea longer let's put in together 
camilla answered she had no intention to try for them well then lend me half a guinea for i never trust myself now with my purse i have not a half guinea i have i have no gold in my purse answered camilla with a face deeply tinged with red major sirwood who joined the party during this discussion entreated to be banker for both the ladies camilla positively refused any share but mrs mitten said it would be a shame for such a young lady to go without her chance and wrote down her name next to that of mrs albury while the major without further question put down a guinea upon the counter camilla could not endure this yet from a youthful shame of confessing poverty forced herself to the ear of mrs albury and whispered an entreaty that she would pay the guinea herself mrs albury surprised answered that she had really come out without her purse but seeing her seriously vexed added if you do not approve of the major for a banker till we go home what say you to sir sedley i shall prefer him a thousand times mrs albury in a low voice repeated this to the young baronet and receiving his guinea threw it down making the major without the smallest excuse or ceremony take back his own this was by no means lost upon sir sedley he felt flattered he felt softened he thought camilla looked unusually lovely he began to wonder at the coldness of mandelbert and to lament that the first affections of so fair a creature should be cast away mandelbert himself was an object of nothing less than envy he had entered the shop during the contest about the raffle and seen major sir would pay for camilla as well as for mrs arlbury confirmed in his notions of her positive engagement and sick at heart from the confirmation he walked further into the shop upon pretence of looking at some other articles before he could assume sufficient composure to speak to her mrs mitten now began woefully to repine that she could not take the last share for the earrings and addressing herself to mr dennell who re-entered as soon as he saw the money was paid for mrs arlbury she said you see sir if there was somebody ready to take the last chance at once this gentleman might fix a day for the throwing immediately but else it may be dawdled on nobody knows how long for one will be gone and the other will be gone and there'll be no getting the people together and all the pleasure of the thing is being here to throw for oneself for i don't much like trusting money matters out of sight if i had thought of all that said mr dennell i should not have put in Oh, true sir but here if it was not that i don't happen to have half a guinea to spare just now how nicely it might have all been finished in a trice for as i've been saying to miss dennell this may turn out a real bargain for they'll fetch their full value at any time and i tell miss dennell that's the only way to lay out money upon things that will bring it back again if it's wanted not upon frippery froppery that's spoilt in a minute and it ain't worth a farthing very sensibly said cried mr dennell i'm sure she can't hear better advice i'm much obliged to you for putting such sensible thoughts into her head and then hoping she would continue her good lessons to his daughter he drew out his purse and begged her to accept a chance from it for the prize mrs mitten was in rapture and the following week was settled for the raffle mrs arlbury who had attended to this scene with much amusement now said to general kinsale who had taken his seat by her did i not tell you well general that all men are at the disposition of women if even the shrewd moneyed man cannot resist what heart shall we find impenetrable the connoisseur in human characters knows 
that the pursuit of wealth is the petrification of tenderness yet yonder is my good brother-in-law who thinks cash and existence one allured even to squander money merely by the address of that woman in allowing that money should be the first study of life let even clarendel have a care of himself or when least he suspects any danger some fair dairymaid will praise his horsemanship or take a fancy to his favorite spaniel or any other favorite that happens to be the foible of the day and his invulnerability will be at her feet and lady clarendel will be brought forward in a fortnight lord o'lerney now entered the shop accompanying a lady whose countenance and appearance were singularly pleasing and who having made some purchase was quietly retiring when the master of the shop inquired if she wished to look at the earrings adding that though the number was full he knew of one person who would give up her chance in case it would oblige a customer she answered she had no present occasion for earrings and would not therefore take up either his time or her own unnecessarily and then walked gently away still attended by lord o'lerney bless me cried mrs arlberry who is that to hear a little plain common sense is so rare it strikes one more than wit it's lady isabella irby madam answered the master of the shop here lord o'lerney who had only handed her to her carriage returned my lord cried mrs arlberry do you know what a curiosity you brought in amongst us just now a woman of rank who looks round upon other people just as if she thought they were her fellow-creatures fie fie answered lord o'lerney laughing why will you suppose that so rare if we have not as many women who are amiable with titles as without it is only because we have not the same number from which to select them they are spoilt or unspoilt but in the same proportion as the rest of their sex their fall or their escape is less local than you imagine it does not depend upon their titles but upon their understandings well my lord i believe you are right i was adopting a narrow prejudice merely from indolence of thought but why my lord cried sir sedley does this paragon of a divinity deny her example to the world is it in contempt of our incorrigibility or in horror of our contagion my dear sir sedley said mrs arlberry don't flatter yourself with being so dangerous her ladyship does not fly you from fear take my word for it there is nothing in her air that looks as if she could only be good by being shut up i dare believe she could meet you every day yet be the mistress of herself nevertheless why my lord is she such a recluse why does one never see her at the rooms never see her my dear madame she is there almost every night only being unintruding she is unnoticed the satire then my lord said mrs arlberry falls upon the company why is she not surrounded by volunteer admirers why with a person and manner so formed to charm joined to such a character and such rank has she not her train the reason my dear madame you could define with more sagacity than myself she must be sought and the world is so lazy that the most easy of access however valueless is preferred to the most perfect who must be pursued with any trouble admirable lord o'lerney thought edgar what a lesson is this to youthful females against the glare of public homage the false brilliancy of unfeminine popularity 
this conversation however which alone of any he had heard at tunbridge promised him any pleasure was interrupted by mr dennell who said the dinner would be spoilt if they did not all go home camilla felt extremely vexed to quit the shop without clearing up the history of the dance and edgar seeing the persevering major at her side as she departed in urgency to put any species of period to his own sufferings followed the party and precipitately began a discourse with lord o'lerney upon making the tour of europe camilla for whom it was designed intent on planning her own defence heard nothing that was said till lord o'lerney asked him if his route would be through switzerland and he answered my route is not quite fixed my lord startled she now listened and mrs arlbury whom she held by the arm was equally surprised and looked to see how she bore this intimation if you will walk with me to my lodgings replied lord o'lerney i will shew you my own route which may perhaps save you some difficulties shall you set out soon i fancy within a month answered edgar and arm in arm they walked away together as camilla and her party quitted the pantiles for mount pleasant End of chapter 8. Recording by Linda Velwest.